All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And um, we're going to be reading kind of as we go through uh, John chapter 12. So you can keep your um, finger in, uh, in the chapter there. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1 to verse 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, when Jesus had ra- whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took, up, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, sometimes whenever we think of the Bible characters, um, we, we, we somehow think of them in a light that doesn't make them ordinary. You know, how many here think that the person beside you is ordinary? How many think you're ordinary? How many don't think? <laughs> uh, just, just wondering. <laughs> Let's try this again. I believe that we're all kind of ordinary, so everybody who thinks and believes like I think, raise your hand. My goodness. How many are still here? <laughs> all right, all right. We got, we're getting a few hands here and there. All right. Well, the character of those that we see in this in this lesson or in this in this scripture, they are as as ordinary, but yet as different as each each and each and each and each and you know us. <laughs> Is my battery off? <laughs> So the character of these individuals is a lot like us, all right? The setting here in uh, the scriptures is the Jewish Passover. Now, just kind of give us a little background. The Jewish, pa- the Jewish Passover is a meal that was to commit... To, I, I don't know, I should go back to bed or something. Um, I took some... Uh, I took, what did I take? I took something and it really just zonked me. You know, I have this inner ear thing and, uh, and I took this medicine and it just isn't working well. I'll blame that. How about that? Okay. So the Passover is a meal commemorating the Hebrew liberation from slavery in Egypt. So it's an annual holiday in honor of the night in which the Lord passed over the homes that had the blood applied to their doorposts. You see, in Egypt, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were slaves. They were held there against their will. And so Moses came as an individual who was going to liberate them from the Egyptian bondage. And there was the, the plagues that were brought against the, the nation of, of Egypt. And the last plague that was to be brought was this angel of death. And the angel of death was that anyone... Uh, all firstborn children in each family, were, males, were to be, uh, would be killed by the angel of death. But those who would take the blood of the lamb, a sacrifice, and apply it to the doorpost of their home, the angel of death would pass over that home. And so there was a celebration of that Passover every year in commemorating what had happened at that time when the children of Israel were liberated from the Egyptian bondage. Now, they had to sacrifice a lamb in order for 
the blood to be applied to the home. And then what happened was they would have, um, the lamb would be then eat, broiled, or, or not broiled, um, eaten. I don't know whether they broiled or how they cooked it. But anyhow, it was cooked. And they, the people would eat the lamb with their clothes, like traveling clothes, their bags were packed. And they were ready to leave. And it was a statement of faith that God was going to liberate them. So even before they were able to leave, they would take this lamb and they would sacrifice it and put the door, the blood around the doorpost, knowing that God was going to, the angel of death was going to pass over their home and, oh, that's the bells. <laughs> I'm just wondering, is somebody's clock going off? Is there, somebody's alarm is running. It's the bells. Uh, but anyhow, so they would eat the, the lamb, and then also they would have unleavened bread, which would mean there was no yeast in it, meaning that it didn't have to rise. And so they could eat it in a hurry. And then they were to eat it with bitter herbs. herbs. And the bitter herbs was to signify the bitterness of their slavery. So here is this meal going on. And there was this angel of death coming down upon the Egyptians because they wouldn't believe in, in anything that um, the children of Israel believed in because Pharaoh thought of himself as a god. So here was this challenge between Pharaoh of Egypt, who considered himself a god, and the god of the, uh, and the, god of the Israelites, Jehovah, who had called uh, Abraham and Isaac and was the god of Israel. And Moses was there as his spokesman and brought this message to the Egyptians to let my people go. Well, this celebration then had taken place uh, every year and on the years following. It was, it was initiated and it became known as Passover. So here is Jesus and the disciples. They are meeting here. It was the six days before Passover. The celebration in which um, they were commemorating the uh, freedom from slavery. Now, we now are preparing for the fulfillment of God's presence in our lives. We, we look at the death of Jesus Christ, coming up on Good Friday. We look at the death of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for our sin, that, we would not, that death would pass over us, that we are freed from our sin in Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood shed upon the cross so that we would have the cleansing and the removal of sin from our lives by, our, by his forgiveness. So that's, we have this preparation going on. So in John chapter 12, we also have the, the uh, preparation of Martha, who is serving, Lazarus, who is reclining at the table, and Mary, who is uh, taking this perfume. And she has uh, anointed the feet of Jesus. So Martha, her act of worship was in serving. Lazarus, his act of worship was in fellowship with Jesus. And Mary, her act of worship was in anointing the feet of Jesus. So each giving expression of their faith and each of them talk, you know, expressing how what Jesus had meant to them and was there for them. So they were having this dinner in honor of Jesus. Well, verse, in chapter 12, then verse 4, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. 
Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? Uh, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, and, and he used to help himself to what was, what was put into it. So Judas was objecting. So here's the setting that, every you know, Lazarus has just been a few days risen from the dead. And all this is going on in honor of Jesus. And Judas is there saying, why are, you, why are you taking that year's worth, a year's salary that is wrapped up in this um, um, perfume and you're just wasting it by dumping it on Je the feet of Jesus? You should have sold it and given it to the poor. Well, why didn't Jesus stop Judas from stealing? That was always kind of a question that, you know, you think about sometimes. Judas is this guy who, he, he's, a, he's the treasurer of, of the disciples, and he keeps the money that people would give to Jesus and them because they didn't have uh, jobs that paid them. They had a ministry that they would go out and serve people, and they needed to eat and do these things, and so they needed to receive funds, and Judas was the guy who kind of took all of this, and he kept it. But the problem was, Judas had a way of lining his own pockets from the money bags for, that was given to the disciples. And so do you ever think that if Jesus would have caught Judas saying, Hey, Judas, you're stealing from the money bag. Do you think that Judas would have changed? And the challenge that I, I think of, the, the, the scripture says that he who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So if we're caught doing something, do we really change? But if we know to do right in the first place, why do we keep doing wrong? Why do we keep challenging ourselves and confronting ourselves with breaking God's commands whenever we know that we shouldn't be doing it? Are we waiting? You know, when, when I get caught, then I'll... But you see, if we get caught, are we really sorry? Or are we just sorry we got caught? <laughs> and see, and, and what, what's going on here is that Judas is right there in, in, the, in the presence of, of Jesus. He's there in the presence of the disciples. He's there in the presence of Lazarus, who has risen from the dead. And he still won't change his ways. He still won't change what's going on. And you see, it's important that we look at ourselves and we recognize godly sorrow worketh repentance. Godly sorrow is a sorrow from our heart that says, you know, I am genuinely, I genuinely feel your hurt. And I am sorry for hurting you. You see, God hurts when we sin. Because God has, it hurts him to see, it hurts God to see how we are hurting ourselves and, and, and failing to meet up to our best expectations. For us to meet up to what God created us to be, our sins end up hurting us, but more intentionally, they hurt God. You know, I, I, I talked about this a little bit in Sunday school, and Ken, you can't leave just yet. You know, Ken was going to leave. He said, you know, I, I, if you're going to use this same story in church, I've already heard it. I'm going home now. <laughs> I can. <laughs> so... Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> what was I talking about, Ken? 
He got off the wrong track again. That's, you know, it's, it's easy to, for me to do that. Um, what is it? Jesus was talking about this. But, um, so Judas, anyhow, Judas was, um, he, he was, you know, he was putting money, he's taking money out of the, money, out of the, out of the pot. And, and Jesus didn't confront him because he was trying, you know, he, he left Judas go, as it were, because Judas needed to know that what he was doing was wrong. Here he is in the presence of God and in the presence of Jesus and the disciples and the miracles and all of that, and he still continued to do the wrong thing. Why would he do such a thing? And, and I was talking about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is that which we, we, we know that we have hurt God. You see, God, God hurts when we sin. You know? When we do wrong, it hurts God. I, I counseled um, an individual a number of years ago, and uh, he, he, was, he was an individual who had done some very bad things to some of his family members. And his wife said that if you go to Christian counseling, I won't, we won't press charges and, you know, we'll go on. Well, that man was sitting in my office, and we're talking about the things that he did, and and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to ascertain if he really felt sorry for what he did, or if he was just sorry he got caught. He was sorry he got caught. He didn't change on the inside. And you see, in our relationship with Jesus Christ is one that changes us from the inside. And it's not just that we're sorry we got caught. And we're not making excuses. We're recognizing that the things that we do, that the things that are called sin, are the things that are actually destroying us and, and, and it hurts the heart of God. And godly sorrow means I am sorry to God for hurting you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins because of the sin I have done against you. But God, and God is concerned because it is the sin that we've done against ourselves. And it's actually hurting us and stopping us from becoming the person that God created us to be. So Judas is caught. He is apprehended by Jesus. In verse 7, he says, Judas, leave her alone. <laughs> so Judas is getting on Martha's case for using this oil, this perfume, to anoint the feet of Jesus. And Jesus tells Judas, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Sometimes we just don't get it. There's more to life than where we're at. There's more to life than what's going on around us. To Judas, there's, you know, you know things are going to continue as they are, maybe. You know, either Jesus is going to be uh, 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 the king and drive out the Romans, or something's going to happen, but... Judas is so caught up with trying to get a year's wages stuffed in his bag, he doesn't see really what's going on around him. <sighs> Judas, in what is now his life of lies, is confronted by Jesus. Leave her alone. Ju Judas was not concerned for the poor, but for the purse, <laughs> the bag, the money bag. To bring change, Judas was surrounded by a resurrected Lazarus. He was seeing Martha 
and her act of service in having this dinner in honor of Jesus. And we have Mary's anointing his feet with this perfume and drying it with her hair. And Judas is uncomfortable in the presence of such expression of love. He's uncomfortable with all of his lies and he's uncomfortable with his position that he has brought himself to. And so then you have the dinner. We have the Passover. We have the dinner in honor of Jesus. And remembering Lazarus has been raised from the dead. We have Martha serving, Mary anointing, Lazarus reclining at the table. In verse 9, a large crowd of Jews uh, found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So here we have this setting. And if we, and just for a little bit, I want to jump back to John chapter 11. When Jesus delayed his return to Bethany and Lazarus had died, we have in verse 24 and 25, they said, Mary and Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. So here is this, this little group. What are, we, what are we preparing for? We're preparing for the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But what's happening in these moments prior, in this day prior to this riding triumphantly into Jerusalem, we have this story of, of, of immense um, meaning going on that with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the three closest friends of Jesus outside of the disciples, you have the disciples and you have Judas and you have all this going on. And, and here are Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus there. And just a few days before, you have Jesus. If you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. You know, and I was thinking of this, I was thinking of how many times God has showed up in our lives, touched us, changed us, made provisions for us, even when we doubted his delays, even when we doubted how that we didn't understand why he delayed and it didn't come. Jesus declared, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he, he said this statement to Mary and Martha when Lazarus was still in the grave. And they said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It is in that spirit of awareness, it is in that spirit of awareness, Martha, serves the meal. It is in that spirit of awareness that Mary anoints his feet. It is in that spirit of awareness Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus. He's alive because this man spoke his name and called him out of the grave. It's in that awareness, that spirit of awareness that all of this is taking place and there is Judas saying, why didn't you sell that perfume and put a year's worth of money in my pouch? <laughs> and then not only is Judas, but then there's a crowd outside 
We want to see Jesus, but we want to see Lazarus, the guy who was dead and brought back from the dead. Hmm. In that spirit, in that atmosphere, there is the chief priest. And what did they do? Verse 10. They were making plans to kill Lazarus as well. For account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Because of what happened to Lazarus. So here in that setting of a resurrected Lazarus and of the perfume of the anointing, we have the priest and Judas. Judas has missed out on a year's worth of money that's not in his pocket. But he's not going to miss out on the 30 pieces of silver that the priests are going to give to him in order to kill Jesus and hopefully as a side effect to kill Lazarus. And all this is going on. Why? Because Jesus is becoming so powerful and so influential that the Pharisees are losing their influence upon the people and they want rid of him. You see what happens when doubt begets doubt. Judas couldn't see the reality of life in front of him. Lazarus was alive and brought forth from the dead, and Judas witnessed it. And what does he say? You should have sold that money, that perfume, and gave me the money. The priest, what did they say? We not only have to kill Jesus, we have to kill Lazarus as well. Because Lazarus is a testimony as to what God, what this Jesus is doing. And here in our life, we are confronted with these, some of these very same things uh, that our faith, what does our faith tell us? Are we preparing for what God is coming? You know, there's a, a radio station and billboards around. Anybody know how many more days you got left till Judgment Day? It's 20 days now. They're telling that Jesus is coming back on such and such a day. Um, do I believe that Jesus is coming back? Yes. Do I believe he's coming back in 20 days? No. He could come back sooner. <laughs> he could come back this afternoon. We don't know when he's coming back. And the idea is our hearts need to be ready. Because, you see, we see, sometimes I think... We're not Judas, but we're like Judas in the sense that we see the miraculous, we see God doing wonderful things, and we, we don't understand them, so therefore we make stupid statements. Why, should, why, why, why are you worshiping God that way? Why do some people raise their hands and others do not? And why do they cry when they sing the songs? And why don't others, oh, everybody cry at the same time? And why do you feel different whenever there's a presence of God? And then we say, well, why, why, why do we do all that? And, and what did I get out of that? What do they get out of that? What's Mary get out of dumping all that oil, that perfume on his feet? Why, what does she get out of that? I needed money out of that. I could have got money and put it in my purse. What is she getting, what is she getting out of dumping that on Jesus' feet? What do we get out of worshiping Jesus? And from the Jewish leader's point of view, they could accuse Jesus of blasphemy against, uh, against 
the claim that he was God. So they, they, they could have used that as something, but not Lazarus. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to arrest us. He arrests us in our life. He catches us in his grace and his mercy. He catches us in his grace and his mercy to save us from the downward spiral of sin and of lies and of deceit. That's where Judas is going. He's on a downward spiral. And there he is in the presence of God. And he can't see God. The priests are plotting to kill Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the dead. He's becoming too powerful. We've got to get rid of him. But you see, for you and I, we can't wait until sin enslaves us. And can you imagine that Judas has less than a week to change his ways? He has less than a week to change his ways, but will he? Sad to say, no. You see, he missed out on a, way, on a year's wages with the perfume. But there are 30 pieces of silver awaiting for him. That's the consolation prize. In his lies, Judas will be caught. In his final act of betrayal, Judas will betray himself. And I guess that's kind of this whole place that I was heading with this Passover with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That Judas is betraying himself. And, and that's what God wants to save us from. The betrayal of ourselves. Ethan, would you go down and get your dad? I want, I want him to sing a song before we, before we close. Um, that, and that, that, that betrayal of himself. And, and this is, what, this is the, 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 the consequence of sin. We have, we have the triumphal entry, which is about to happen. And this is the setting of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. There is this turmoil of, of all the stuff we think of. We, we put things out of context. Well, Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. He's happy. <laughs> everything is great. No, everything is in turmoil. And he rides in triumph. He rides in triumph because he knows that he is going to overcome sin. He knows that he is going to set people free from the punishment of sin and the betrayal of themselves. With this struggle behind him and the struggle ahead of him, none of it turns Jesus from his path. Verse 12 says, The next day, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He knew the power of sin to sway people, to sway the hearts of man. He would ride triumphantly over sin. He is going there to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And he, in this setting, in this dinner that Jesus is experiencing, there is the service of Martha, there is the breaking of the perfume and the worship of Mary. There is the presence of Lazarus, risen from the dead. There is Judas, who is hollering at Mary for wasting perfume. 
the high priests who are plotting to kill Jesus and kill Lazarus, and then there's Jesus. What is he doing? He's going to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. You see, he knows who he is. He is the Messiah, the one awaited for. In a few days, his blood will be shed on the cross to be the cleansing of our sins. Just as that lamb's blood was put upon the doorpost of the homes in, in, in Egypt and that the angel of death passed over, when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives, our, we are saved from our sin and that is cleansing from our sin and death does not have place in our lives anymore. Sin, which is the destructive agent of, 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 of the enemy of our soul, is washed from our lives. And we no longer are caught in it or caught off guard. We're not caught in that, that spiral downward of, of Judas, of, of com, coming against those who are worshiping Jesus. We're not in that anymore. We've seen it for what it is. We recognize it that the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is alive. He rides triumphantly. His body will be scourged. His, his life will be sacrificed upon the cross. The Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, God himself would pay the penalty for the sin of the world. He rides triumphantly to fulfill the will of the Father. He rides triumphant. He who knew no sin would become sin for us that we who are sinful might know forgiveness. That's the, triumph, that's the setting of Jesus entering triumphantly into Jerusalem. And Brad, if you'd come, any others? If, if we would, what would be our triumphant song? If we had, and I'm not going to give the palm branches out because we're going to go downstairs and eat and I know what we do with palm branches whenever we're around the table. We take advantage of the person next to us and beat them with them. <laughs> we'll have them downstairs for you to take home with you. But I was thinking, uh, uh, as I was putting this together, I was thinking of what would be our song of triumph. What would be the song that we would say in triumph? You see, we have to, we, we recognize what God has done for us. He has saved us from our sin. He is triumphant in our lives. Amen.